Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called All the Single Ladies. We'll be examining the lives of three godly women in the Bible who make an impact for the kingdom. Over these three weeks, we'll find that God equips all of his people to serve him. Female and male, single and married, no matter their relationship status or their gender, everyone has a part to play in the kingdom. Paul is by the Holy Spirit, he sees a Macedonian man, a Macedonian man calling for help. And so he changes trajectory. Um, and then he lands here um, in Philippi, which is where he'll tr- uh, start the church of Philippi, which he then wrote later to uh, in Philippians. You've heard of the book of Philippians? It was a letter to this church, and this church was started but not by a man, not a group of men, but by a single woman. A single woman was the first convert, not only in England, but in Europe, I mean, but in Philippi. And so that's where it starts. We, we learn about Lydia. He's on this boat. He sees this vision. He's on his way. And a couple things to notice right off the bat. Paul is looking for a Macedonian man. And you know what he finds? A group of women praying and seeking after God. A group of women praying and seeking after God. Now when he rolls up on this group, he de- here's what he does not say. Paul does not say, oh, do you know where a man is? Does he? No. Hey, I'm looking for a Macedonian guy. Nowhere to be found. He sees these women praying and seeking after God um, and begins to minister to them. A couple questions came to my mind before we talk about Lydia. Do we understand and trust that God is at work in our lives in real ways? Let me tell you why. Paul was on a mission in Asia. His plans got changed. His plans got changed. And he got redirected. His life took a turn. He was doing things. He was, saw a vision of a Macedonian man, and then when he got there, he saw a group of women. But he didn't divert. He wasn't confused. He saw an opportunity to administer and, and share the gospel, and he did it. Right then and right there, it wasn't what he thought he was looking for. But do we understand the big picture? That God is at work in your life. Look at your neighbor. Point at, point at him in the face. That's usually rude, but do it right now. Just tell him, you have a plan. And it's God's plan. The other question that came to mind was this. Are we obedient even when it doesn't look like the right plan? When God calls us to something. Do we trust him enough to be obedient anyways? Even when it doesn't look like what we thought it should look like. Sometimes, sometimes when our plans aren't looking right or not working out, it's because you had the wrong plan. Uh, You don't want to hear that this morning, I guess. You don't want to hear about the fact that um, God tells us to make plans. Look, it's okay to make plans. Absolutely. 
Scripture tells us to make plans. But they fall in submission to God's plans. And God's plans oftentimes don't look like ours. Lydia, little background on her, uh, Asian woman, uh, working in Europe. Uh, we see from the text that she actually lives between two trade routes. So she is in primo, um, uh, primo area, uh, part of the region to do business, and that's exactly what she does. Uh, she is a business owner. She's a dealer in things purple. How many of you like to wear purple? Who's wearing purple? You're not wearing purple, Grant. That's orange. <laughs> Sit down. Oh, my goodness. This is going off the rails. So she was a business owner. She dealt in purple. Um, from what the text tells us, she's a leader because she, she maintained a home. Okay, she had a home, which means she probably had servants and a staff that operated her house. We're not told of a husband or if she had kids. So we are to assume here, we are to read in this text that she is full of resources and living on her own and doing it great. How many of you know just some boss women in your life that just lead out very strongly, great leaders, gifted Leaders, this was Lydia. Uh, one thing we can also tell about Lydia is that she is seeking something. How many of you know when life gets comfortable, oftentimes our relationship with the Lord suffers? Money's okay, there's no rifts in the family, right? That cousin you don't like has been gone for a month now. Everything's smoothed out. Y'all don't have those cousins? I do. I might be the one. <laughs> oh, that's another sermon for another day. But when life gets comfortable, Lydia had it all. She had an entire household that she led in. She was a business owner. She was doing well. She was prosperous. She was doing great. She had many resources, but yet she, this business owner, is showing up to a women's prayer group, which the reason they had a women's prayer group outside the city next to the river is because you had to have at least 10 Jewish guys to have a synagogue. Think about this. You had to have at least 10 Jewish guys in order to have church in the city. So these women faithfully went out by this river and sought after the Lord. And this is where we find Lydia. She could have been just as content living in her house, doing her business, but she was seeking. Everybody say seeking. She was not a Christian yet when we find her in the scripture. We find that she fears God. She's looking towards God. She's trying to find God. How many of you know you can look at God all day, but Jesus is the only way to heaven? Uh-oh. You can show up here every Sunday and still go to hell. Oh. <laughs> she was seeking. She was hungry. 
All the success in the world can't satisfy what Jesus can satisfy. Did you know that? All my friends, many of my friends, former friends, acquaintances, probably at this point, um, making um, multiple incomes. They've got big houses. They're living in big houses, big cars. And uh, there began to be a separation as over the last few years, I have cut my income in half. Because money is what comforts them. And what I found is no matter how much money I made, one, how many of you know this is true? The more money you make, the more money you spend. Everybody's like, if I can just make a little more money, if I can line things just right, if I, if I can get all my cards to stack just right, man, I'm just going to be happy. No. Jesus is the only thing that satisfies the yearning of this soul. And Lydia was searching for that satisfaction. She was seeking something. And we find this demonstrous leader at this prayer group. And one thing I want to look at very quickly. I need to, I need to watch my time. Let me tell you something. Because I got somebody I want you to meet here in a second. Very quickly, three things here. Um, particularly um, in this text... I think it's verse 14. Yes. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, Paul is talking, Paul is telling them the gospel. I want to look at this phrase. The Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. Three things, very quickly, about how salvation works. Because maybe you know it, maybe you don't. But the first thing you need to understand about salvation, salvation being I, <laughs> people say that uh, God sends people to hell, which is not actually the case. Uh, people are already on their way to hell. And God saves them. God picks them. Pulls them out of a trajectory you're already on. And the very first thing I see in this text is that God and God alone is the initiator of salvation. Which can rub against us a little bit. Because especially in our culture, we want to have the control. We want to have the responsibility. I want to determine what I do. I found Jesus. That's what I did. No, Jesus found me. There was nothing in me. I grew up in church, and he found me in the church. Think about that for two seconds. My, let me tell you something. My Sunday attendance was amazing. I got every gold star on every Sunday school chart. I memorized every verse. I could teach the Sunday school lessons on the felt board. I could do that. But I didn't know Christ. And I had not made him Lord. You see, there's a difference. There's a difference. Who's the Lord of your life? See, God and God alone is the initiator of salvation. John 6, 
um, verse 44, uh, 44 says, For no one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws them to me, and at, last, at the last day I will raise them up. You see, God initiates. God starts it. No one's coming to him unless he draws them. This is why we pray for our loved ones. God, draw them. This is why I pray for you. God, help us that you would come here, attend, serve, and then never know Christ. The point is knowing Christ, being reconciled to God. Um, I love this quote from David Platt wrote a book called Follow Me. And this quote says, and this is why it kind of rubs us a little bit, because we want to kind of make God our own God. Almost unknowingly, we all have a tendency to redefine Christianity according to our own tastes, preferences, church traditions, and cultural norms. Slowly, subtly, we take the Jesus of the Bible and twist him into someone whom we are a little more comfortable with. But he has spoken clearly through his word and we have no right to personalize him. We have no right to make our own personalized Jesus. He is who the word says he is. It continues, instead, he revolutionizes us. He transforms our minds through his truth. As we follow Jesus, we believe Jesus even when his word confronts and contradicts the deeply held assumptions, beliefs, and convictions in our lives. If Jesus, if the Holy Spirit isn't rubbing you the wrong way and calling you continually out of darkness, oh, you need to get on your knees. You need to get in his word. I, my flesh is going to constantly be at odds with this book. Constantly. The good news about this book is that it declares we can put it to death and have victory over it. Yeah. So one, God and God alone is the initiator of salvation. Number two, uh, salvation is understood through the word of God. How did they find salvation? They were studying what, what we would understand as the Old Testament. They were getting in these groups, they were studying the Old Testament. And here comes Paul with the gospel to bring, shed light to the Old Testament with what Christ had done. Let me look at Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. God's word never returns void. It will accomplish what he has set it to accomplish. And then we find in Romans 10, 17, it says what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where does faith start? God initiates it through his word. Stop trying to convince people. What do you mean? What do, I am not the Holy Spirit. Am I telling you not to witness? That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there is no, I have had so many intellectual arguments with atheists and the like, and there is no convincing in myself someone of what God initiates in the word right here. 
You want people to know Christ? Give them his word. Give them his word. And then the last thing, uh, God, and we believe that here. We have small groups. God acts and moves when scripture is taught, read, talked about, and even questioned. God's word is powerful. Did you know that? Number two, number three, I mean, we need to understand that we do have a role in salvation. After he saves us. What is that? Let me go to 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 says, After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together. Everybody say work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work for we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. You see, we have a role in this process. What we see in the life of Lydia right here is that God finds Lydia standing here by the water in this prayer meeting, in this study group, and he saves her. He opens her heart right there. This is the big question for today. What are you going to do with the gospel? What is going to be your response to the gospel? Is it to pull out your wallet and show your get out of hell free card? They used to call it fire insurance in the churches I grew up in. What is exceptional about Lydia is not just who she is and that she's a leader and that God has equipped her and wired her, but that God in this single woman's life starts the church of Philippi alongside Paul and does something with what the gospel did in her. This was the beauty of what she did. You see, um, later on, we see in the text that she said, hey, you guys come over my house and her gift of hospitality all of a sudden just shines through. She said, hey, you come to my house, you can stay at my house. And by all accounts, what we understand is that they probably stayed there a year. Went to jail, came back. You remember when Paul and Silas were in jail? They did a, had a worship service and everything fell apart. The jailer got saved. That's all here too. How many of you wish you could have been in that jail room? Man, I wish I could have been in that jail room. But what I want you to see this morning, I want you to meet Angie Molina. She's the executive director for Grace Home Ministries. I've known her for a few years now. Exceptional leader, just like Lydia, leading out in all the things that God called her to. She's not, she didn't wait on a husband. She didn't wait on any set of certain circumstances. She jumped in when the gospel hit her heart. She did something with the gospel. And I want you to meet her. Here's the video. Take a look.
Angie, thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Um, there have been many things in this series that I was excited about, um, but when I realized we were going to talk about Lydia, you came to mind. Um, I met you a couple years ago now mm-hmm. and about our partnership with Grace Home Ministries, but we'll talk about that more in a second. Yeah. But why don't you tell people who you are, uh, where are you from, did you grow up around here? Give us a little bit sure. about you. So, of course, Angie with Grace, well, I work with Grace Home Ministries. I've been working there for, it's almost been a decade, which is crazy to think wow. about. Um, but my passion has definitely always been teens teen moms and just always been in that kind of environment um I didn't I didn't grow up in Virginia I'm originally from Maryland was born in California so just did a couple moves the Lord totally brought us here um kind of a shot at a at a map and this is where it landed and I've never I've never doubted that God like definitely brought us here called us here and so that's been really neat but um me personally yeah. I know you're talking at what an honor to be paired up with Lydia first of yeah. all like I you know I think of one of these just like forerunners of the faith and she comes to mind and um, she's pretty awesome but personally I am I am single um, I am currently raising four children that are not my own they're my nieces and nephews so right three nieces and a nephew um, 14 13 12 and seven. So wow. I have my hands pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah, and full. So there's never a dry moment and it's yeah. pretty neat. So I've had them. We are going into our third year together. Third year. That's amazing. And what um, what what do you, what started that process? What what got you to that point where your nieces and nephews were coming with you? Yeah. So um, they are my nieces and nephews from my sister's uh, side, and so. My sister has battled addiction for a lot of her life and kind of came to a situation where the kids um, were going to be put into foster care. And so our family kind of rose up and said, we can't do that. And I have two two brothers, both that were married at the time. And so I just said, you know, I'm going to do it. I can't, I can't really see, you know, innocent kids kind of go through this um, cycle of addiction and how it's really just place so much trauma in their life and so um through a series of just state and court you know intervention they ended up with me and so right now we live moment by moment we don't know how long they'll be in my care um Mm -hmm. but you know we're praying we're hoping that the lord will heal and restore my sister you know to a point where she can be reunited with her kids and continue that on and so we're believing that yeah. Um, and right now we're just kind of walking each day, not totally uncertain of what sure. the future will look like. So. Sure. Well, and that is such a huge step of faith, huge step of compassion for you, obviously his family as well. But um, that's got to come from a place of where the gospel has impacted your own heart. Tell, tell us a little bit about where you found Christ and what, what's your story. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually grew up in the church. And so for me, um, church is, was never a foreign concept. Um, what was different is that we grew up very religion-based. So we went to church Wednesdays, Saturdays, Sunday mornings, Sunday evening. We were in church all the time. But when we came home, mm-hmm. it was like we lived a completely different life. And sure. so we were at home. It was, we never did devotions. I never saw my parents do devotions. And about my teenage years, 
my parents split up. Yep. One who actually, like, does not proclaim Christ or anything, told my mom's totally um, just been hurt by the church. And so I, my big thing has just been being Jesus to her um, yeah. and being able to show her that it's not about church, it's about Christ. And then my dad, who firmly believes in God's word, but isn't pursuing it. So when my parents split up, interesting story is um, I was going to a little neighborhood church. My brothers and sisters and I would walk down to that church. Sure. This church had been ministering to me since I was nine. And so they had an Awana group that I would go to faithfully. And when my parents split up, we no longer went to church sure. as a family. But I still continue to go with my brothers and sisters. And so at about 15, 16, um, our house fell apart and I actually got kicked out of my home. Yeah. Um, the people who brought me into their home were my youth pastor and his wife. Wow. And so I actually lived with them for a period of time as a, as a late teen into my early 20s. But it was the first time that I had ever seen a relationship with Christ. So we went to church um, and we did all the church things, the things that were very familiar to me. And I really honestly thought they were putting on a show. Sure. So I thought when we went home, I'm like, I'm the new kid, you know, things are gonna, the facade will wear off. And it never did. Year wow. after year, day after day, I saw them get in God's word. I saw them pray together. I saw them really pour into myself. They had at that time, another child pour into the community. And that's when I saw something different and said, you know, mm. I want what they have. It wasn't perfect and it wasn't pretty. But the just act of them taking me in, someone they didn't know, um, I was part of their youth group and that was pretty much it. Yeah. It was such a Christ-like thing that I was so, so much more drawn to Christ. And so, although I proclaimed Christ when I was about six or seven, I really didn't get to know Jesus until my, my, I would say, late teens. Um, And I really started pursuing hard after him. And because of my story, one of my favorite scriptures is in James, where he calls us to orphans and widows. Yeah. And so ever since then, I've had this just heart for for orphans, for children, for the kind of like the underdog, you know, yeah. um, the innocent. And so it's interesting how my story unfolds that then, you know, early, mid-30s, God calls me to my nieces and nephews who in, in many ways have been abandoned by their parents. Right. And so my heart was just like, this is the heart of Christ. And what an opportunity to step in and and be almost like a temporary parent for them. I always say, like, I'm your aunt first, and I love being your aunt, but I'm a substitute mom. And I'll I'll do that role as long as I have to. So so really, yes, my faith has played a huge part in in the way that I lead life, for sure. Sure, sure. Why? Your youth pastors took you in, and you've taken in your nieces and nephews, and God took you in. Um, And then fast forward to today, you're the executive director of Grace Home Ministries, a ministry to teen moms, uh, unplanned pregnancies, and and you have been the heartbeat of that organization for you, what you said, almost a decade now, leading that charge. And I... um, have come to know you as an incredible leader, fiercely passionate, very organized. Um, I mean, a boss of a leader, which is why you came to mind when I thought about Lydia. Um, and so just a, uh, just a couple questions for you. What, um, 
what would you say uh, to churches and singles, single women um, today? What would you say? Because you obviously have taken and jumped into kingdom work and all that God has called you to and giving him those gifts that he wired in you. Um, and you didn't have to get married to do that, right? There, there wasn't a, a man necessarily uh, that you needed to have to to jump into all that God had for you. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, that's a jam-packed question. Um, it is. But I, I, man, what I would give to sit across any single woman at any age, you know, age period, whatever the circumstance may be, and to let them know that they're enough. Mm. Because I think sometimes there's this void that Jesus has already filled that we we feel kind of left out or not enough or we have to wait until this season in order to be enough. And God's word tells us we are enough mm. right where we're at. And so I would first say to like any single woman, you are enough. And to, to not believe the lies of the enemies That's that true. tells you that you aren't. Um, and second of all, I'd say those, those desires are natural desires that you have. God created us for relationship. But two, to believe that God is good. No matter what the circumstance or situation or season, God is good. So whether you've had a husband that has passed away or whether you've been... I, I'm 37. Yeah. <laughs> you know, been single my entire life. And I'm not going to lie. There have been seasons that have been very hard in this deep longing and desire but I have to remember that in those seasons God is good you know and he knows the desires of my heart but his desires are much bigger than my desires mm-hmm. and so to know that God is good in that um and then I would say and of course there's a lot more I would love to sure, say to any sure. any single woman because it is hard um but I would say to a church I I I commend what you're doing because I don't think enough churches are doing this for for single women. Um, I think it's hard to see. It's easy to feel left out in a church because you'll see kids ministry and you'll see a teens ministry and you'll see a married ministry and then there's like the singles, you know. It's a singles <laughs> ministry and it goes to 25 and then like yeah. someone who's 37 it's like, well, where's, you know, where do I fit in? Sure. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that the church could do um, is to be a source of an encouragement to single people. Because you said something, it's interesting, that what you have said, and I have, we have a tremendous board, which you are a part of with Graceful Ministries, that see things in me that I may not necessarily see, mm-hmm. such as this you know, organized, bold, radical leader. I don't, I don't even remember the words that you said, so. Yeah. But, <laughs> but there's a lot of times where I don't see that. And sure. so I think that in the in anybody's life, but especially a single's life, they need that, we need that constant encouragement that I see you. First of all, I see you. I believe that God's got great things in store for you. And this is what I see. And I think that whenever we get that encouragement from a congregation versus who are you dating? And what do you, you know, like we, we feel like, wow, we are a person just as we are, you know? And so I would say that would be the biggest encouragement is to lean into, befriend, you know, a single, invite them, bring them in, make them a part of, um, and just be a source of encouragement. Be there to listen. I'm so grateful. Some of my best friendships are the people that I can come to and say, I'm struggling. Yeah. And they can, they, they don't necessarily pray, 
God send her her husband soon. It's God meet her where she's at, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that is such a bold prayer. And it's the prayer that we need because we need to remember yeah. that we are enough in that season. Wow. Well, AG, I wanted to thank you for taking this time to meet with us um, and talk to us. But then also thank you for your leadership in Grace Home. Um, it, you have dove headfirst into impacting the lives of countless moms across this area and you've impacted our church and you've impacted um, uh, probably farther than you can see and so we're excited Uh, if you need more information about Grace Home Ministries um, you can find Angie's information on their website gracehomeministries.org absolutely and um, they also, we partner with Grace Home Ministries, so not just financially, but they have space here in our facility. Uh, we are really bought into what Angie is leading out in, in the lives of teens and unplanned pregnancy uh, situations. So thank you. Um, so excited to, and, and hoping that your testimony today will ripple into the hearts of our congregation uh, that the time for singles isn't later it's now absolutely and i would even go further to say it doesn't have to be grace home ministries related if there is a a single woman that just needs that encouragement or hey and how have you made it 37 years (laughs) like i would be more than happy to to pray for to encourage to listen to any woman who just kind of feels a little bit boggled down by that season of singleness and to know that there is so much that God has in store for you. And it's, let me tell you, one of the biggest and most exciting things that I've ever done is saying yes to the Lord and seeing the crazy adventure that he's taken me on. Scary, but one of the most amazing seasons of my life where I've really known the Lord as my best friend. And so I want that for anyone, you know. Well, praise God. Praise God. Well, thank you so much. Speaking of single ladies, how about it for Demetria? Yeah, our worship director. But Demetria is not our only single woman here. She's not the only one um, answering the call of God. And today, lest you leave here and think this message was for someone else, just because you're not a single woman. No, this message is for you. You don't get to just skip this part of scripture. You need to hear it and understand its weight on your life. What is our response to the gospel? We have a role in, after the Lord has saved us, we have something to do. And it's not just binge Netflix. Some of you are shocked It's not to stand still. It's not to be a pew warmer. No. God has something for you to do with the gospel that he has given you. And our response to the gospel is revealing of our hearts. So what will we do? Look, so if if you skip down to 40 in chapter 16, what you'll see is that Um, she houses them. She shows so much hospitality and houses them um, for what we understand could be up to a year. Up to a year. And then if you flip over um, to Philippians, 
uh, you see Paul, he admonishes them as the band gets ready to start. That he says in Philippians 1 and 1, he said, this, is a le- this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi. You know who was in Philippi when it all began? Lydia. Who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Listen to the warm heart that Paul greets them with. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it. You remember when they first heard it? A group of women. Until now. And I am certain that God who began, oh I love this verse, the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished in the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know Christ is going to finish what he starts? Oh yes. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. Underline in your Bible, just underline that. What what really matters? So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit, everybody say fruit, of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory praise to God. Let me talk to the single women in the room, online, divorced, widowed, hear me today. The time to get in the fight is now. God's purpose for your life isn't down the road, it's now. God is calling all his daughters to jump in and make a profound impact on the kingdom today. Can I tell you something? I I can't talk about my daughters without tearing up. I don't know what it is. I get up here, I start thinking about those little, well, one's chunky, one's not. And I think, What would it be like for my daughters to have single godly women to take them under their wing and say, here's what it looks like to follow and pursue God right where you are. There are so many in our midst that need our single people, our single women. Church, hear me. I want my daughters to grow up in a church where they are pushed and encouraged to do all that God has equipped them, wired them, and called them to do. 
church, where do you play a part? You can poke yourself in the chest. Maybe that's not you today, and you're like, oh, this message is weird. I don't know what to do with it. Here's what you do with it. We need to encourage our single women to go after God. We need to create room and space for our single women to know Jesus more, to learn deeply about him, and to go into all the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to hear them. We need to see them. We need to surround them. Married women, come alongside one of these single ladies and love them. Pour into them. Partner with them. Men, we should be protecting, guarding, shaping, and creating room for God to use everyone at every stage of their life today, not later, now. J.D. Greer said it in a message we listened to last Wednesday, but the gospel is too great and the mission too big, not for everyone in this room, for you not to get involved. Not tomorrow, today. What? And, and honestly, our, our women at any, at any phase should be flourishing. Think about the women, the single women in your life. And how are you pouring into them? Have you called that widow? Have you called that divorced mom? Of, look, you realize this pastor right here was raised by a divorced mom? raised four kids by herself she took all four of us through puberty you know how crazy weird that is oh you've forgotten what puberty looks like it's awkward she raised three boys and a girl we all have jobs none of us are dead and all of us know who the Lord is say it's a strong leader like Angie or a strong leader a faithful follower of the Lord like my divorced mother that you have a pastor standing before you today who loves the Lord the way he does what are we doing with the gospel what are you doing with the gospel what are you doing with that good news are you sitting on it waiting for something, get involved, get in the fight, do something. He's calling you to it. There's work at hand. Get our hands to the plow. There are people dying and going to hell, and, and, and we can be a part of pointing their face towards the heavens and saying, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. We sang a song, and I don't know if they're going to sing it now, really doesn't matter. I'm not saying switch songs, by the way. I don't know what she's playing because I haven't been listening, but I will tell you this. We just sang a worship song saying, I'm available. And that is my plea to every single woman under the sound of my voice. And church, the single women you know, we all need to be making ourselves available to the work of the Lord. There's something to do. We see Lydia receive the gospel 
and her response and what she did with the gospel should weigh heavily on our hearts to say, what can I do? There's an old song that says, Jesus, use me. And Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. And even if it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. you say that today? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Help us today, God. Help us today to make ourselves, make our will, make our hearts attuned to yours and available, no matter if we're a single woman. Maybe I'm divorced and I think, oh, well, it's over. No, it's not over. Maybe my spouse passed away. It's not over. God, forgive us as a church for not wrapping our arms around your daughters, our sisters, and declaring your goodness, encouraging them towards the things of you, and pushing them towards all that God, you have called them. Help us, help us today to do something with what you have done in us. Help us to plant seeds. Help us to water them, knowing and trusting, oh God, that you give the increase. I don't need to wear that weight, only you. You are good. You are surely good to us. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.